Hey, this is Stan White, and you're listening to the AU Wishbone. White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 686. listening to the AU Wishbone, almost credible sports discussion on the White Rocket Entertainment Network. Bye-bye, Bo! From the Palatial White Rocket Studios in Southern Illinois and from Eastern Virginia, it's the AU Wishbone Podcast, John. Welcome back. Are you there, John? Glad to be here, Van. Happy New Year. I am your host, Van Allen Plexico, and joined as always by my co-host. I'm John Ringer. John, it is a new year and a new lot of Auburn stuff going on to talk about tonight. Um, We had two milestones in the last few days. We had New Year's Day roll in and had some interesting bowl games to touch on briefly tonight. And your beloved AU Wishbone podcast crossed the half a million download threshold this week. Is that unbelievable? That's a lot of downloads and listens. And I just, you know, it's a little bit surprising every time you say that number to me. (laughs) Half a million times people have clicked a button or a phone to download us talking about stuff that we would talk about whether anybody was listening or not. How many times on purpose? <laughs> that's, the, <laughs> that's the real question. <laughs> Get to the nub of the real question, yes. Oh, man. Well, uh, yeah, we have had some, uh, some bowl games. And, I mean, you know, I think if there's one thing this bowl season so far has, has kind of featured – it's scoring. What the heck yes. is going on? I mean, you know, I'll set it up with this. Back in 2010, we thought the Auburn-Oregon game could be 100-99. But in the layoff between the, between the uh, SEC championship game and the, uh, and the national championship game, as, you, as tends to happen, you know, you have a month to study film and practice for one team, and you get to where you can pretty well stop that team usually. So that, you know, the, the big Auburn-Oregon, those both teams were averaging 45, 50 points a game. They go play each other, and it's 22 to 19. Nobody really saw that coming. Well, that hadn't been the problem this year. So what is going on that everybody's, like, getting the 40s and 50s this time, the big teams? Uh, number one, it's this is where college ball is in 2023. It's an offensive game. You've yeah. got to have a great offense to win. And and again, like we, Michigan and Georgia both have really, really good defenses, and the other teams are rolling up and down the field. Oh, you wouldn't and know so, it. <laughs> well, you wouldn't know, but it's it, it's true. But the, both of those teams had to put up, you know, five hundred yards and forty five points to win. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think some of it is this is just where it is. Offense rules, and the other part is I think. In the old days, I mean, again, the rules and the schemes and where we are and kind of the balance of power, you know, if it's a defense, favors offense right now. So that's the biggest thing. Yeah. But also now, all that time off allows the offensive staffs to develop better plans. Yes. Yeah, I I don't think that – I have a suspicion that Chiswick and Gus and crew in 2010 
I don't think they put a lot of time into developing a whole new offensive attack going into that game with Oregon. I think they just went out there and said we're going to do what we've been doing all year, and and, and both teams and yeah, and and both teams were able to kind of stop it. All right, number one, I just ask you this, John: Is this what we want football to be? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, yes, please, more of this would be fine. As a defense-loving person, I get it, but it is very entertaining. That was an incredibly entertaining bowl season. And, well, we're going to talk about it, but I also have another question, which is I've always told my history classes that wars are like football. Some years the offenses are ahead. Some years the defenses are ahead, right? Some years right. are like – some wars are like World War One, where everybody's dug in the trenches, and if you stick your head up, you get your head blown off. And that would be like Alabama LSU 9-6. to Other years, the offenses are ahead, and you got like the Nazis going around and over and through the Maginot line and in Paris in a week and a half. And that would be like Spurrier or later on, you know, what Oregon did or what Cam did or – or what we've seen this week. So we're kind of in the World War II of football right now rather than the World War I, I think it's fair to say. That's fair. Yeah. So what have you thought about these bowl games so far? Have you had one that's really tickled your fancy? I mean, there's been a bunch of really good bowl games, fun bowl games, games that I was kind of riveted by, right? Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. Well, the two semifinals, my gosh. you know, the, in that, the, it has to be one of those two games. I mean, they, the playoff games have been terrible for a long time. Yeah. The semifinal games have been terrible. Only one or two good games out of 20 games, basically. And so your expectations were always like, well, we might get one good one out of these, you know, eight hours of football. And we got two incredible games, both down to the wire. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so it has to be those. I mean, that you know, I enjoyed some of the other ones. I enjoyed Notre Dame, South Carolina, um, Tulane, Southern Cal today. Oh, yeah. I watched and the highlights of that. Crazy. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, well, you know, it's kind of the opposite of where the NFL used to be. I haven't watched the NFL in 15 years, but when I used to, I remember, you know, back in the day, like in the 80s and 90s into the 2000s for a while there, you'd get a really good NFC championship game and you get a really good AFC championship game. But then when you get to the Super Bowl, one of them would just blow the other one out. And the playoffs have kind of been the other way around. You'll have one blowout, the other blowout, and then you have a pretty good game in the championship game. So it's kind of, so hopefully this will continue and we'll have a good game in the championship game. But I, I kind of wonder, I don't know. I, um, We'll talk about that game. Yeah. I have thoughts. <laughs> yes, yes. All right. I I had it, by the way, I saw somebody arguing with an Alabama fan with their transitive properties thing where they did like two or three games and did the this makes this team better than this team better than this team kind of thing. I, but, all right, let me explain it for people who don't know. So, like, when you have the little greater than or less than sign, you'd say, like, if Team A – beat Team B, and Team B beats Team C, and Team C beat Team D, then A is better than D. Even And you'd say that even if D was like national champion and A only won two games all year, but one was over the team that beat the team that beat the, that beat the champion, right? So to, to my little one that I came up with, which I think is like the greatest one I've ever done, it is Auburn beat Missouri, Missouri beat Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt beat Florida, Florida beat South Carolina, South Carolina beat Tennessee, and Tennessee beat Alabama. Therefore, Auburn is greater than Alabama. <laughs> and also Vanderbilt's greater than Alabama. Well, that's yeah, you could if you if you wanted to stop there. I mean, 
if you're not an Auburn person, you could go back one more step and pick one of the t- Mississippi State beat Auburn, you know. So Mississippi State's better than Alabama. I mean, you could you could track this thing all the way. And I guess um, no, Mississippi State beat Illinois today. So I didn't see how that one came out. By the way, it was like seven to nothing Illinois the whole time I was watching, and then I had to leave. So I don't know how Mississippi State came back and scored 19 on them. But but uh, and I had a hard time with that one too. Who to who to be for because. On the one hand, I live in Illinois, and they wear orange and blue. But on the other hand, it's Burt, who I don't care for. Uh, but and it's Mississippi State. And it was State. a Leach Memorial game, it, kind exactly. of. Exactly. You kind of. And, but then again, I don't want to cheer for Mississippi State, so I was really in a quandary. There were there were reasons to cheer for both teams and reasons not to cheer for both teams. You know, and it was tough. That's right. No, I get it. I I thought the. Yeah, you know, Mississippi State made like a pirate flag thing on their helmet, and I thought that was really cool. And they oh, that was awesome. That from now on. Yes, absolutely. That was awesome. That was so good. Yeah, they should be the the pirate dogs or something going forward because that was just great. Um, all right. So you asked a question here. What are some of the things that we what have we learned from this year's bowl games, John? I, I, and my purpose of doing this was like I watched a lot of freaking bowl games and a lot of college football over the last two weeks, and I wanted to think about what are the things we could pull away from that to learn, you know, for the podcast to. But also, like, to mm-hmm. inform where Auburn is and where we where Auburn's going and that kind of thing. Um, and I get the first thing is the thing we just talked about that it's all about offense. Like, yeah. you have to be able, and I'm not talking about running the ball either. You have to be able to throw the ball down the field and score a lot of points. And the teams that were successful at a high level can all do that. Think about all the games over the last couple of weeks. The teams that could throw the ball down the field and move the ball regularly, make be efficient and explosive were the teams that were there. And yeah. So that's what Auburn has to do. We're not going to win games with a good defense and a running game fourteen to ten or whatever. We gotta be we have to and and maybe with this new offensive staff we'll be in a better place schematically to do that, but we gotta get some players too mm-hmm. uh, to make that happen. I think we're on the way to doing that. But as Gus would say, it's a new day. And it is mm-hmm. a new day and it's just a different it's a different game now. It's just uh, in a lot of ways, it's di- very different. Um, yeah, um, and and you you made the point about finishing drives, and I'm like, and you said that before, and I think that's so important because, like, you know, when when Illinois was winning today, like seven to nothing or ten to nothing or whatever, Mississippi State was rolling up and down the field, but they'd throw an interception in the end zone every time. At the best example of this from the past few days is Clemson. Okay. Yeah. Clemson rolled up and down the field on Tennessee. Clemson had 56 plays on Tennessee's side of the field, but only scored 14 points. Wow. That's that's hard to do. Yeah. By accident, <laughs> you'd yeah. score. So, in, in it's, so on defense, you know, teams are going to – offenses are so good, teams are going to move the ball between the 30s or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you got to stop them there. And on yeah. offense, it's that last little bit. It's easy to move the ball in the middle of the field, but it's that last little bit from like the 30 in that separates, you know, kind of the okay teams from the really good teams. And that's what Auburn has to get better at that finishing drives, getting the last bit, and uh, converting into touchdowns. I think it's a huge difference maker. We saw it in all these games. When you didn't score, you were out. You know, when you get, when you can move up and down the field, but you couldn't score, you lost. Or if you end up settling for field goals a lot. Yes. Yes. That that was the problem that bedeviled our 2014 team. I remember very clearly is we would roll up and down the field with all those receivers and 
and with an older and wiser uh, Nick Marshall throwing the ball some. And, and then we would get in the red zone, and, and we just couldn't do anything. We ended up kicking a lot of field goals. I did like that Hugh Freeze said that um, his offensive coordinator he was looking at, presumably the field marshal, um, would be able to help him with offense overall. And he said, I've probably got some stuff that will help with the red zone. So I like the idea that Freeze was already thinking from day one about red zone offense and about how he could make it better. That's really, really encouraging that they're that conscious of it. Absolutely. And, and now, so related to that is I, I just think like if you ranked all the coordinators in the SEC from one to 32, whatever, I think Todd Monk and George's offensive coordinator is maybe the best right now. I just think, again, we, We've lost some really good coordinators over the last few years, right? Some of them, a lot of them are head coaches other places. Yeah. And, you know, Elko the, is the the Duke head coach now, and uh, Aranda's at Baylor, and we've some other guys have moved on. But, you know, I think Todd Monken is really good. And Georgia's defense has been great the last two years, but when the game, you know, on these games against teams with equivalent talent, mm-hmm. he does a great job and puts them in a position to be successful. So. And you've got people coming up now like Steve Spurrier Jr. is the offensive coordinator at Mississippi State now trying to run. I guess he was there learning the, the yeah. uh, what do you call it, offense from uh, air Leach. Raid. The air raid, yeah. You could see a Spurrier being interested, <laughs> interested in that offense where all it is is the quarterback throwing the ball every play. Um, yeah, that's interesting. So we'll see who, who continues to come up. And um, I think the whole new generation of offensive coordinators and, and offensive masterminds, is, is they're, they're coming now, man. They're on their way up. Uh, um, yeah, you made a note about Sonny Dykes. Well, just glad we didn't try to wait for him. We still wouldn't have a coach. <laughs> that's right. We would, it would be very obvious and it would be bad. So I'm glad we didn't wait. Uh, you know, he, I think he was a good coach to try to hire, obviously, but he's, uh, you know, taking them national title and it, he's clearly not going to be available. Who won the South Carolina Notre Dame game? I don't even remember. Uh, Notre Dame won. Okay. Uh, oh, that's right. But it was close. You know, it right? was, yeah, it was 35 28. Um, okay. And I mean, South Carolina had two pick sixes and a like a fake uh, kick score or a block yeah. kick score or something. And so, but they didn't do enough on offense. So. Right. Well, then there you go. That's exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. But I do like Beamer. I think he's got a a lot of potential. Yeah. These, we're looking at these second generation coaches with Dykes and Beamer and all that. You know. You were just talking about Spurrier Jr. And Spurrier Jr. Weiss Jr. is a good offensive coordinator. Absolutely. They're the whole group of them coming through. Um, what about running back situation? I just I put in here that I think depth at running back is a real lesson from these bowl games and from the playoff games. Like so many teams we saw their run starting running backs got hurt and they had to play two or three guys in the bowl game or in the playoff game who weren't the starter. And those guys had to be ready and they had to be talented and they had to be, you know, mentally prepared and, and have played enough games to be ready to come on the stage and make something happen. And I mean, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, all of those teams had to play backup running backs in those games. And so we, we can't, you know, in the past, we've gone into seasons and some of this was different coaching staffs, but they were like, well, we got this guy, we're just going to ride him and you know, not worry about it, but we can't do that. We, it has to be a committee. It can't just be Jarquez because he's really good. We have to get 
you know, Demari Alston and this freshman ready to play. Oh yeah. Uh, because we're going to need them. There will be games and we need them. And so we need them to be, uh, we need running back depth and you need those guys, you know, prepared and not just on the roster. I, I just keep thinking if we'd had a healthy Cameron Petway in 2017, mm-hmm. we'd have been in the playoffs. Well, or a third running back who was, you know, as on close to the same level as those two guys and who was ready, yeah. right? Where it wasn't just on those two guys to do it all. That's right. That's right. Um, let's see. What a. Uh, I've lost the, our place. The next thing is just good coaching matters. Like we hmm. saw big turnarounds. Oh yeah, uh, at schools that got good, got new coaches. Um, I mean, Washington won eleven games. They beat Texas in a bowl game. They won eleven games. They were terrible last year, but it yeah. was bad coaching. Tennessee's so much better. TCU is the obvious one because they're in the championship game. But you saw teams get new coaches and improve. And I think LSU is a good example. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, they, and we didn't pick LSU to go far because they had so much roster turnover. But some of the good coaching was, you know, making that mesh. Yes. Yeah. Well, look. Some a couple of years ago, the last couple of years, and and we're we're one of the examples. Tennessee's been an example forever of kind of like experimental hires, where you go out and say, "Let's try this guy. I bet he could be good." And I think this current cycle, the last the last twelve months, so like the hiring the hiring for this current season ending now and the one going forward, what we have seen is. A number of programs say, uh-uh, I don't want to roll the dice on somebody and say they could be good. I'm going to go out and get somebody I know is good. And the ones you just mentioned did that 12 months ago. They brought in guaranteed this person knows what they're doing, right? They didn't get like the hot coordinator and then say, surely they'll be a good head coach. They were a great coordinator. No, they went and got head coaches that have done it before somewhere else. And that has really stood out for me over the last 12 months. Like you said, the ones that you just gave as examples for this current year and some of the ones hired now going forward. That is one of the reasons I've I've been, certainly from a football angle, happy with what we did is because we didn't go out and get another potato. We didn't go out and get you know, honestly, that's you know, if we had gone and gotten um, uh, the the Baylor offensive coordinator, Grimes. Yeah, if we'd gone out and gotten Grimes, that would be saying, "I bet he'll be a good head coach." Let's get the up and coming guy. You know, he may be, but instead, we said, "Let's get the person that has been a head coach in the SEC, has won games, has beaten good teams, and we are really confident should be." Good. That's what LSU did. That's what we did. That's what a number of teams around the country have done. And th- that, to me, has really stood out for this last coaching cycle or two. Yeah. Is is getting a, getting somebody that you just know, and, and it's and it's worked almost every time I can think of. I don't I don't know where it hasn't worked. I mean, the one time in the last few years that it really hasn't worked out is Texas A and M. Yeah, but it's I mean, again a year ago they would have said it worked because he got the number one recruiting class and they were coming off a good year. So that's yes. it's, you're just talking about recency yeah. bias a little bit saying it didn't work. I think that's true. They still have a chance to to get it back on track there. But he's kind of a special case too in that 
I've never thought he was a good coach to begin with. Well, then see, there's the other question is like he was he won a national title at Florida State, and they wanted to they'd be able to say we got a coach who won a national title. Well, they could have hired Gene Chizik if they wanted that. So you know, tanned, rested, and ready. Woo! All right. Uh, So we talked about the depth, or did I miss something? You have a lot to help to help the listeners here. John has put together a an in depth list of interesting things to talk about from the bowls. And I'm I'm just trying to stay out of the way (laughs) so I don't mess him up. So you go ahead, go go with your next thing. No, I just. I think one of the reasons that I think offensive game plans are better and, and teams perform better in these bowls is there's so many analysts now. Like yes. it's different than it was even back during the the you know the Oregon Auburn wow. national title game. That's right. We had a couple of guys, but now teams have you know teams and teams and, and of analysts looking at stuff and analyzing stuff. And the best example of this is Kirby Smart calling that timeout. When oh. Ohio State lined up to do the fake uh, punt. That was literally the turning point in the game. 100%. And somebody in the booth, some analyst, they watched every single Ohio State special teams play and mapped out who was supposed to be on the field, what formations they ran, and he saw something different and said, mm-hmm. look out, and Kirby called timeout. And that saved them because Dude, if got he doesn't a first call down. a timeout, yeah if, they, yeah, if he doesn't call timeout, they lose the game, I think. Oh, I do too. I think because they had gone down and scored and they ended up, it was like a one-score game, right? And they'd had all no, the they were uh, No, Ohio State was up 11. Oh, yeah. They, they, they'd have run a couple more first downs at the minimum <sighs> and taken clock off. So Yeah, that's up there with the with the punt thing that uh, Florida State did on us in the national championship game that, that totally turned mm-hmm. things around for sure, yeah, because we were up big too. Um, where did the analyst thing come from? Is that something – that just smacks of like a Nick Saban innovation from a few years ago or something. I, some of it – again, there's a limit on the coaches you can have on the field. And there's a limit on players, right, with the roster size and that kind of stuff. But there's not a limit on how many other people the football team can employ. So <laughs> you get around it by, you know, the, you, you, so in the old days, the coaches did all of this work themselves. Mm-hmm. But now they have somebody who's already broken down all of the, the other team's third down plays or goal line plays and what in different formations and stuff. So the coaches don't have to do that stuff. They walk in their office and it's already there waiting for them. The analysis and the film breakdown and stuff because they got teams of guys who do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, and those guys are also watching the practice tape and grading your own players and how they're doing a practice every day and giving that feedback to the coaches. There was a time not that long ago when the coaches were mowing the grass on the field. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we've come a long way. Yes. Can you imagine saving out there pushing the mower around the <laughs> around Bryant Denny? That would be so great. Oh, I'd love it. I would love it. Um, yeah, the analyst is crazy, and that that really was the key. The now the key, I think, in the other game was the terrible call on that touchdown that Michigan scored. And it's funny, I mentioned that on Twitter, and some loser comes on and says, uh, "Gives me the crying baby." I'm like, dude, you you think I care? I don't care about Michigan. I just think it's it's just worth noting that 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 was a touchdown, and it was taken away wrongfully, and they ended up losing by. You know, less than a touchdown. I'm not talking about Auburn Elvis here, by the way. Auburn Elvis and I had a few, uh, traded a few lines back and forth later, but I'm talking about like somebody saying that I was cheering for Michigan. I just want to clarify that. Um, But no, Auburn Elvis and I were just having a disagreement about how it affected the outcome of the game. And and, and my thought was like, if they had taken away Cam Newton's first touchdown in the comeback in 2010, I don't know that we would have won that game. 
so I just don't think it's fair to say that taking away a touchdown early in the game didn't have an inco- have an out have an impact on the outcome of the game. And he was fair. that was a, and that was a touchdown. I, it, I mean, it was a hundred percent a touchdown. It's fair. I, I I think Michigan did plenty on their own to lose that game. Yeah, outside sure. Outside of the officials, I mean, they threw two pick sixes and. They ran a stupid trick play at the goal line, and <laughs> yeah. they had another play where they fumbled on the one-yard line and stuff. So, I mean, I they there were other plays where Michigan yeah. had chances to do stuff despite to overcome the poor officiating. Right, um, right. But and, they shouldn't have had win. to. But and, and, and to clarify how that's a touchdown, because, again, I had somebody else on Twitter arguing with me, and that's fine, that – that it was not a touchdown because the guy's knee or whatever was down before he crossed the goal line. And I'm like, yeah, I agree his knee was down before he crossed the goal line, but he hadn't caught the ball yet. You can go down on the ground and get back up and catch a touchdown. There's no rule that says if you go down on the ground, you're out of the play. Yeah, no, you could be on the ground, the other the defensive player touching you, but if you don't have the ball, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you can get back up and you're you still could, part of the yeah, game. You could stand up and run away from that guy, catch the ball, and run fifty yards. That, that was the thing. People were getting people were getting kind of like I think confused by he was down before he crossed the goal line, but they weren't getting the whole part about he didn't actually catch the ball until he had gotten back up off the ground and crossed the goal line. So that's a touchdown. It's a hundred percent a touchdown. No, no, no two ways about it. But. Um, yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, um, let's see. Yeah, depth. Talking about depth. Alabama was was missing a few guys. Didn't seem to hurt them. Didn't seem no, to hurt LSU I mean, today. It, we're at this place now, especially with bowl games, and not as much the semifinal games, but regular bowl games. A lot of players opt out. you got players that are injured. You don't have your signees or your transfers in yet, so rosters are smaller, and there are fewer players on the field. So... Uh, you have to be careful, especially offensive and defensive linemen, you know, and that kind of thing, or skill, you know, maybe some key skill position guys. Um, and, and I think we saw that in some bowl games, it really mattered. We had guys get knocked out, and that yeah. made a big difference. So, does Purdue ever want to play an SEC West team in a bowl game again? Because I didn't see, I haven't seen a minute of that game today. No, they got but annihilated. But sixty-three to seven or something. And we I mean, remember they, what we did to them in 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 tennis in in Nashville a couple of years ago. It was I about know, the same. But thing. they they changed their coaching staff changed and their quarterback and their best yeah. wide receiver and their best defensive back all opted out and stuff. So that that could have been us in a bowl game. I I know Cadillac if he had still been in charge would have done his best and everything. Yeah, or he's exactly right. Yeah. Or if Freeze had had to take over, but we still didn't have everything installed or anything installed. I mean, we could have gotten railroaded very easily in a bowl game. Yeah, I'm afraid. It's better again, and again, the time they were spent trying to convince players to play and, and practicing and scouting the other team is time we were not recruiting and doing transfer portal stuff. Absolutely. You know, and, and so it was better. Yeah, unless we played Purdue, in which case I think we would have been all right. <laughs> that would have been more fair. <laughs> it would have, it would have given us a better bowl game too. Uh, my last point I tacked on here after that one, I tacked that one on, is that. Um, it seems like I'm I'm kind of happy about this. It seems like most of the Auburn fan base that I've kind of witnessed from my perspective is pretty well now happy we didn't get Lane Kiffin. Now, who we did get is a whole other question. I don't want to go there. We've we've been there and done that. But I feel like most Auburn people now are happy that it, that we didn't get Kiffin. 
Well, I think a lot of Ole Miss people are unhappy we didn't get Kiffin at this point. Um, just because they, you know, their season really dropped off a cliff in the second half. So, it's, oh God, it did. Yeah, sorry, I'm sneezing here. Hold, carry on. So no, he again. They were whatever eight and zero or something at some point. It looked great, and then they lost five of their last six, I think, or something like that. So it's been it's been bad, and they have had a rough bowl game. And so we'll we'll see if they can get it back on the track next year. But um. I said that it looked like they and South Carolina swapped teams about midpoint through the season. They certainly swapped Mojo. Oh, that's for sure. Because because South Carolina was just kind of muddling along, and all of a sudden they caught fire and just yes. blew teams out back back half of the season. Whereas Ole Miss, somebody pointed this out. This blew my mind. Ole Miss has not won a game since Auburn's coaching position became open. <laughs> If, if that's all it takes, I wish we I wish we had that kind of control over Alabama. I'd fire a coach every week. I'd be like, well, you, it's been fun, buddy. You're out. <laughs> now let's see what happens to Bama this week. Oh, all right. Let's see. We got a new coach. Speaking of new coaches. We we did. Uh, a new actually new football coach. So we rumored Old talked player. about uh, yeah, we rumored talked about might be the Missouri coach, but it wasn't. It's Marcus Davis. Mm-hmm. A former Auburn wide receiver, um, a, you know, who played. Um, I'm going to try and pull up his stats here for a moment. Um, I think that we are hearing him coming by right now. If you will recall, right? Is that not who we're thinking of? That's what everybody was telling me it was. I, I, he's there's two players in history that okay. You need to explain the, the meme, why we use the helicopter sound to describe right. yeah. Auburn receivers. Well, now, we've had so many Davises over the last 10 years, right? <laughs> we've had, we were just like Davis University for a while there. And was he the one in the Florida State National Championship game that was like wide open in the middle of the field? And you said he looked like he, somebody dropped, he, like he dropped out of a helicopter onto the field and nobody was covering him? I think that was the origin of that. I think it was. Um, he did have one catch for 26 yards in the national title game against Florida State. I believe but, that was him. But and he, he so he literally like it was a Gus trick play kind of thing where I think yeah. he was. It may have been Woody even where he was kind of he was small. He was he's five nine, 175 pound wide receiver. So. See, I, I I kept thinking that that guy on that team was like a big guy. So I must be thinking about a different guy. But we had multiple guys do this over time. So. Again, he played like 2013, um, yeah. 14, 15. So, you know, a, a good solid player, you know, a, a good productive receiver. Um, you know, like in 2015, he had 30 catches and stuff. So a good productive guy, complimentary wide receiver, a smaller guy, but a guy who could get in the slot and get in space and catch the ball and do some stuff with it. But who's turned himself into a really talented young coach, mm-hmm. you know, who could coach receivers, a good recruiter. He was at Georgia State, and people they, they seem very excited about him. So I think it's a good hire, and I think people, you know, in the industry were pretty view him as kind of an up-and-comer. So. Well, all things being equal, when you hire an up-and-coming coach, having them be an Auburn person already, I think is kind of like, I'd rather have that than not. Yes. I, correct me if I'm wrong, though. Didn't didn't he not catch that wide open pass that would have been a touchdown? 
I feel like that was the one that we didn't score, and we were like, how do you not catch that? There's nobody within 50 yards of you, and then we end up losing by one score. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm – again, I may be thinking about somebody else or something else. But I'll have to go uh, – I'll have to go look. I'm not sure. I'll have to get the we video. I, that one, yeah. I, I, hate to, I hate to tell anybody – yeah, let's go bring up the video of the 2013 National Championship game. No, no, too <sighs> soon. Too soon. Oh, gosh. It's only been 10 years, man. I can't it's, do it again. This is the 10th anniversary coming up of that season. Wow, it's hard to imagine. It's been um, mm. it's been a 10 years already. Oh, that, that one hurts worse than any other game in Auburn history for me. That's like number one. Um, so, in fact, somebody did a poll the other day, which was just an evil and mean-spirited poll, but they said, which hurts worse, that game, the Rose Bowl, or the Final Four with Virginia? I'm like, you know, which of your dogs would you rather get run over by a truck is basically what you're asking me there. It's the Florida State game to me because, again, my expectations for Auburn basketball were never there. My yeah. dream was always like, hey, let's get in the tournament, win a game or two. Yeah. We made a Final Four, and that to me – and I get it. We, the way the game played out, yeah. I understand it, but the, it'll always be that Florida State game, especially because I hate Florida State, and we were winning the whole freaking game. Yep, yep, oh. yep. Oh, God. And everybody thought we were going to get blown out. Yes, they was that people have forgotten this, but the, the build up to that game was all the talking heads talking about Florida State was this team of the century and all that. Yeah, they were going to beat us by thirty or something, and we were winning like twenty something to six in the in the first half, and and had them yes. had them down, man, had our foot on their throats. Ugh. But then we all of a sudden realized it was it was Gus coaching us in a bowl game, and poof, poof, there it went. That trend <sighs> continued. Yes, and has continued at other places. Uh, some people coming back. We found out about DJ James and Pritchett. Yeah, they're both. They both were considering the NFL, and I think DJ James had a really good year and would definitely get be a decent draft pick. But they're both coming back to play next year, so our secondary is going to be a team strength. I think going into next season. It's so weird how that changes from year to year too. It's like one year we're like, oh man, our secondary is going to be great. The next year we're like, oh, I don't know about the secondary. The next year, oh, the secondary is going to be great. So there's just so much turnover these days. It's it's hard to have a. Seems like more on. It seems to me that we have more turnover there than any other part of the team, offense or defense or special teams. I mean, it's not like there's we switch of- out kickers every six months, but yet we're constantly rolling in new corners and safeties. And some of it is we don't play a lot of corners and safeties as true freshmen. They have to sit for a year or two, and then yeah. so then they have a great year, and then they go to the NFL. And that's what a lot of Auburn guys have done recently. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see anything else football related before we look at the hoops team for just a minute. I don't think so. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the bowl games again in just a minute. We get to the end, uh, just a couple of minutes here, but, um, basketball, we actually beat Florida. Now beating Florida in Auburn is not quite as rare of an occasion. We never beat them in Gainesville. In fact, Bruce has never beaten Florida in Gainesville. And I don't remember if uh, the previous coaches <laughs> – maybe Cliff Ellis might be the last. Yeah, it might be. Um, but we did – it was a tough, tough game. Mm-hmm. And it what to me what it really showed is that this year's team, we're, we, can, we can hope – we can hope that our 
new guys who have the talent and the potential, right? They're four or five-star dudes. We can hope that they'll come along. And over time, they will, right? I mean, Trey Donaldson's already getting a lot better than he was. But um, in the meantime, it looks like our old faithful standbys like Chris Moore and Jalen and... Williams. And... uh, Flanagan. Flan- yeah, Alan Flanagan. Those guys are going to have to carry it. And Wendell. A little bit of KD, though KD hasn't – KD's been kind of erratic. I know that saying KD has been erratic is kind of like a redundancy, but I repeat myself. <laughs> but he's been a little more erratic than usual this season. So it looks like we're having to turn to that core of old reliables. They're not superstars, but – if they all play well, you can win at home in the SEC with them more often than not. And the thing you said the most important there is at home. Yes. We've got to win the home games when we have yes. SEC home games. And we've got to try and steal a game or two on the road because the yeah. road games are going to be really tough. Yep. Especially we talked about it a lot. Our schedule is backloaded. So we have oh some very gosh. tough home games yes. at the end of the year. We need to steal a road game or two so we can finish above 500 in the conference. This was a big home win. Mm-hmm. The other big thing in this game was Broom has been coming on. He's played a lot better the last four or five games. He really dominated Castleton in this game and gave him oh. a lot of problems. He's been a good, you know, he we think, you know, he obviously can get better at free throw shooting and, and, and scoring around the basket. But he's he looks really good, and I think he's kind of emerging mm. as, a, as a solid kind of go-to player. Um, and then Jalen Williams, I, you know, He's the guy. He's just got to beat, act like the guy. And I think having to take a backseat last year has kind of messed with him. But he can do it. But this was a good win. And the other thing is, do you just forget how great our home field advantage is in uh, basketball? It is. We intimidate other teams. The crowd was super loud in that game. And Castleton is – I hate that guy. <laughs> yeah. Among for, opposing players, he's the most disliked guy in the league probably. For sure. Auburn fan. So. He was last year. He hadn't – nothing's changed basically. No, it's more, even more. So Yeah. Oh, his look on his face when they did something to us. Got a foul. That was it. He drew a foul, yeah. and he was like, <laughs> um, yeah, I love that Bruce told Jalen, you're the best player on the, and the, on the court. Play like it. You know, stop being yes. so – stop being – start being more selfish, young man. That's basically what he said is, you know, because he had, he had kind of coached himself himself into being more of a team player and – he is now like one of the go-to guys, and he needs to play like one of the go-to guys. And that's that's no knock on him. That's a credit to him for having that attitude. But now he's got to be more assertive. No, you have to be the, you know, you have to think every minute on the court. I'm the I'm the best player out there. Nobody could stop me. I need to just take the ball and do what I'm going to do. So yeah, yeah. So we got coming up uh, Wednesday night on the SEC Network. At Georgia, if we have to go on the road and play somewhere, that's it. I'm glad to start out the season. I'm glad it's at Georgia. That's right. Again, early season road schedule at Georgia, at South Carolina, at Ole Miss. We need to get some W's on the road yes. early because later in the year we're we're going to Alabama and you know Tennessee Ken- places. So. Kentucky. I think we go to Arkansas. Kentucky and Alabama back to back. Oh Lord in heaven, yeah. Oh boy, buckle up. Um, now we got we got Arkansas at home on the weekend on Saturday night. That's it. Saturday night, Arkansas at home. The other thing about the Georgia game I wanted to remind people is 
It's a weird time. It's 6.30 Eastern, 5.30 Central tip-off on the SEC wow. Network. So if you're working Wednesday, you got to be ready. Yeah, that's pretty weird. So I'll be all set on uh, Wednesday. Yeah, let's see. That'll be the – okay. I'm trying to get my – next week uh, is opening week, faculty meeting week at my college. So it, that really messes with everything. And my birthday always lands right in the middle of stupid faculty meeting week. I hate that. Ugh. Um. All right, so basketball, we just need to grab the wins when we can. And don't panic if things look darker later. You need to, we need to bank, the, bank yeah. the wins while we have them coming, while, we, while they're gettable. Absolutely. And, again, the SEC is going to be tough. It's gonna, there's a lot of teams, good teams, and a lot of teams are going to lose games on the road. Yeah. You know, uh, Tennessee win and lost at LSU. Uh, you know, Arkansas, no, Tennessee went to Ole Miss and almost lost. Arkansas went to LSU and did lose. So it, it's going to be tough on the road in the conference, and these other good teams are going to play each other and knock each other off some too. So, All right. So uh, got to remind everybody, if you ordered, uh, if you're a patron and you ordered a hardcover or signed copy of the basketball book, please just be patient because with all the shipping going on around Christmas, everything is delayed. Um, the post office has even lost one of our shipments. We have to track it down once the craziness kind of goes by. So we apologize for any delays, but it's just, it, you know, if we don't have them, we can't send them to you. So we're just waiting till they get to us. So, but I've made several orders of new ones and they're on their way and they should be coming to us so that we can send them to you. Uh, if you want to do, if you want to get a book from us rather than Amazon, like a hardcover or a, um, or a sign book, uh, then just send us, uh, you, well, become a patron. Make sure you're a patron. And then uh, send us a message at, uh, at auwishbone at gmail.com, auwishbone at gmail.com. Here are the fine folks who are currently patrons, keeping us from having to do any kind of advertising or anything, run, run ads in our shows. Um, and as always, they can put whatever they like in their name. Go to www.auwishbone.com, www.auwishbone.com. Click on the big orange button to become a patron, as the following people did. Chris and Clinton Stewart, Samuel Salvatore, Boris the Tiger's Burner account, which I understand is doing well in the bowl, pick him. Uh, Carl Von Drunker, Ann Kangian, Bradley Blackman, Daniel Odom, Logan Chilton. Logan Chilton. Hey, there goes Tankman. Um, yeah, to the NFL, but that's fine. Matthew Flowers, Michael Kirschner. I'm kind of stuffy tonight, so I apologize for sounding funny. Um, Phil Amthor, who just happens to currently serve in the, in the role of Master Sommelier at Jones Barbecue Foot Massage. That's right. Stephen, uh, Richard Stevens, Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick, Trombone Tiger, Willie Carden. Basketball season plus the basketball book, a winning combination since 2022. I agree. Ben Bloodworth. Chris Hilton, Chris Thrash, Clay Henson, Dan Thompson, Earl Ricks, Eric Morgan, Bobby. Freeze has more O-line commit, commits in four weeks than Harzen had in two years. I made me say the word, dang it. He made me say... Potatoes. That's what I was afraid I'd have to say there. Uh, freeze warning has a new meaning after John's breakdown of the hire. Jacob and Robin Fleming, Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Logan, Mickey B. No more trials. The Auburn family is... Reunited, 76 Tiger, Esquire, Sleazy Lawyer. 
Algo Rhythm and Blues, Paul Miles, Phil Davis, Reynolds Wolf, Rich Reimer, Rusty Owen, Sarah Browns, Sir Bacon the First. I like it. Steve Harlan, Theodore Gary, War Eagle Always, Warhammer Six, WDE Richie, it's you freeze time. Um Freeze. Yes. Um Wes Atkinson, William Morgan, Wilson Beard, Winston Body, Returning to Everything School. Auburn Blue, Blake Heron, Boris the Tiger, what? Brandon Smith, Carter Glouse, Colby Butler, Corey Smyer, David Simpson, Di Bama, Hugh Anderson, Hugo Slees, Case Files, The Mystery of the 30-Point Shutout to 2-6 and six Arkansas. There's like a whole narrative to that one. Josh Teal, just, can't, uh, just wait till next year. Amen. Kevin Mahan, Lane Middleton, Luther and Kelly Ottaway, Papa Todd, Patrick Williams, and our and our one-time and anonymous donors, ah! Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch, Shane Bailey, Shannon Butson, Steve Houston, uh, Tim Pittman, Tony Perry. We want access to College Bowl Pick'em. You got it. Uh, and by the way, if you are a, uh, well, it's pretty much over now. We go, if you want access to our other things that we do, Pick'ems and Fantasy Leagues and all, just send them an email. If you are a patron, send an email to... Uh, auwishbone at gmail.com. Correct, John? That's correct. That's correct. Weagle87, at the Mad Reaper Pepper Company on Instagram, Alex Nguyen, Ben Amos, Ben Regis, Brian Albanese, Charles Mooney, Chris Camo, Chris Braun, Colonel Dad, a.k.a. Ari Benzana, I'm missing my category, Mr. Construction Tiger, Daniel Barnett, Daniel Witten, Darren Pyle, Elizabeth Donald, Escort Hugh Freeze elsewhere. We still have some disagreement in there. Uh, and we got to get better at celebrating. Insert random... Oh, yeah, I forget. Mark always wants me to insert one. Tonight, it's going to be... Larry Bird's not walking through that door, fans. Kevin McHale's not walking through that door, and Robert Parrish is not walking through that door. But Marcus Davis is jumping out of a helicopter door and walking through that door. (laughs) So we've got that going for us. Uh, I'll buy this for a dollar. And finally... James Taylor, Jason the Weasel Skull Albrecht, Jeremiah Schumann, Jim McCrory, Joey Miller, Joseph Iliff, JT Jarhead, uh, uh, Justin Bean, K- Kenneth Britt Reigns, The Barbecue. You have failed me for the last time. AKA Auburn Dad for Life, Mark Squire, Move Over Boris, I Am Tiger. More to come. Oh, uh-oh, there's controversy in the patron board. Controversy. This, this new person's name is Move Over Boris, I Am Tiger. More to come. Wow. Throwing it down. Ooh. Oh, for a muse of fire. A Shakespearean tale seems about to over, to uh, to unfold, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm here for it. Uh, MVP, Captivating Kathy Bright. Your love of the halfling's leaf. Yes, that's right. Paul Banks and Royce Alvarez, Russell Souther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland. Spanky is the homeless guy that lives in the unisex bathroom at you know where. barbecue foot massage. Oh, that's right. Sports Illustrated's Auburn Elvis, Stephen Thompson, the Slinko family, Tim Sauls, Trevor Johnson. Uh, Van dominates this segment like Bo Jackson owns Tecmo Bowl. <laughs> that's a good one. Strong comment. That's strong. Right there. Brant Rumble plus our one-time and anonymous, and we have had some very good and very appreciated one-time and anonymous donors lately, and we do thank you all. 
Let's see. We did that. We did that. We did that. Ah, the bowl pick'em. How is that shaping up? It's not much left. Not much left exactly, but it doesn't matter if the, how many games are left because Boris the Tiger's burner account. Oh, run by, run by Doc Crackham. Ah, there we go. Is blowing the field away, thirty-one and eleven. Wow! In the pick'em. He is in the in the percentile ranking of people playing the bull pick'em on ESPN. He is in the 99.9 percentile. Wow! So he's That's at the inc- very top of the of everybody in the country playing this game. That is incredible. Yeah. So he has a four game lead <laughs> on the next best team in the bull pick'em. Oh. So I would have recognized some other people at the top: William Morgan, uh, Josh Benefield, Slinko family, Dare Pile. Um, Donovan, Craps, Mar- Mark, Sandy, Richie Butler, Ray Laird, uh, you, uh, Bobby Pullen. Yeah, Bobby. Uh, all right. So uh, I am in the middle, uh, uh, right, uh, frustratingly, not far behind Boris, defending champ. Yeah. Oh, well, Boris. Who, who surged ahead at the end, ahead of me and you. Yeah, I'm sure I'm so, toward the bottom. I have had a. I know I didn't pick Tulane to win today. I guarantee I you that. Anybody, I don't think anybody picked Tulane, no. but maybe, maybe Doc Crackham did, who absolutely killed it. But so congratulations to him. Great job. Way to and go, it Doc. was fun. And uh, probably the next thing we do is going to be the you know a post um, season NCAA tournament pool. So be ready for that. Yeah, look out. Keep uh, keep on the lookout. We try to keep things kind of going around the around the calendar. Year we'll also have uh, once March probably arrives February March we'll be setting up the new fantasy Formula One league too so uh, it wasn't it it was kind of a butt whooping from start to finish this past season but uh, we'll try to be more competitive um, but I do like that Boris's name has now been on the winner two years in a row just two different people having his name so all right Boris maybe that's the secret. Name yeah. my picks, Boris the Tiger. There it is. Boris doesn't have a sound effect on here, but I just figured that his his name wins it because. Scott Wilson. There you go. All right, we have we have uh, Jared's back from his assignment, and he has us against the game. Are you ready? Bring it on. Here it comes. Van John, the rest of the AU Wishbone family. This is Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist here with Guess the Game number 74. Guess the Game 74 is brought to you by our old friend Wiggaber. Wiggy, Wiggy Bear. Wiggy, I'll get it right eventually. Anyway, <laughs> let's see what he sent in. Here we go. Fourth down and about three. In the shotgun. Lines up to his right. Auburn needs the 44. Two receivers to each side of the field. Now they'll bring out of that slot, and it looks like they're going to pooch kick now. Takes the snap. No, they're going to go for it. They're going to throw. Far sideline. Makes the catch. Buddy Auburn battery at the 39-yard line. That's huge right there. They tried that before. Okay, guys, I will see you in the hint file. All right. The announcers were? That was uh, Rod Bramblett and Stan White. So time frame is? Uh, 2002, no, 2003 through 2019, I think. So no, 18. I, my guess was 
th- this was Bo Nix pooch faking the pooch kick. Who else have we done that with? Because Auburn had the ball at the end of the game to fourth down, and we faked the quick kick kind of thing, and then we threw a pass. Well, here's my dilemma. I would be 100% sure I know exactly what it is, but we all know how that goes sometimes. <laughs> See, don't let that get you fire, Van. You think you got something, fire it. Go. Let's have I, it. I think that's the cam back. I think that's cam when he would line up in the shotgun and then he would drop back into punt formation and then throw that quick pass to the sideline to who was our number one receiver? Blake or no? Blake was the third receiver. Um, uh, the fast guy was number two, but our number one receiver on that team, crap. I, we I know we're, it we're, like the like I know my Darvin brother Adams. Yes, yes, Darvin. Yeah, I think it's Cam to Darvin Adams okay. right on the sideline in, th- in, in the, the, in, the in 2010 Iron Bowl. Okay. That's what I I'll think. I'll buy it that. Is. I'll buy. Well, let's hear the hint, and then I can find out how wrong I am. So who I mean uh who was the who are our three receivers? Number one was Darvin Adams, number three was uh was Emory Blake, yeah. and number two Number two is Terrell Zachary. T Zach, that's yeah. T God I love T Zach. I no I can't remember anything anymore. Here we uh here goes the hint file. Welcome to the hint file. Let's get rid of those bleeps. Here we go. Fourth down and about three. Cam Newton in the shotgun. Fannin lines up to his right. Auburn needs the forty-four. Two receivers to each side of the field. Now they'll bring Lutz and Kirkin out of that slot, and it looks like they're going to pooch kick now. Newton takes the snap. No, they're going to go for it. They're going to throw. Far sideline. Adams makes the catch on the Auburn boundary at the 39-yard line. That's huge right there. They tried that before. Okay, okay. I'll see you guys in the answer file. That had to have been it, then. Yeah, that was it. 100%. And the other thing I thought about in the original file that I didn't say was the noise was clearly a road game. Yes. We were on offense, and the crowd was incredibly loud. And then game. when we made it, they, they shut up. Yeah, yes. Um, that, was, that was one of those gust things where I always wondered, what is he accomplishing by making it look like a punt? Why not just run a play? I guess he gets different personnel on the field for – he, maybe the safeties back up more because they're they're thinking it's you know it's going to be a punt. They would have somebody yeah. back there. Maybe they're not as quite unco- tight on coverage on the receiver because they think he's just a you know a gunner blocking on the punt going downfield to cover. Yeah, and we I think we ran that against Georgia and it didn't work. And then we tried it again against Alabama and this time it worked. It must be one of those things that always worked in practice. They tried it against Georgia and something happened and it didn't work. And they're like, well, we got to try, you know, Gus. He's like, no, no, we can make it work. Let's do it again. You know, oh, wait, wait, wait. we'll make it work. We'll do it again. So, all right, let's, uh, let's wrap it up with the answer. All right, John, Van, if you guys figured out, this is the Auburn, Alabama Iron Bowl from 2010, then you are correct. I'd kind of forgotten about that fake pooch kick, but I don't know. I feel like you guys probably got it. So listen, if you want to be like Wigaber out there and send in some cool plays for me for Guess the Game, that's not a problem. You can reach out to me on any of the social medias, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Yard Sale Artist. Or you can email me directly at Jared, that's J-A-R-R-O-D, at TheYardSaleArtist.com. And until next time, man, John, Wolverine. 
All right, number one, it's good to have Jared back. Glad he was able to put us Absolutely. together a really good one. That was a fun one. And pr- we appreciate Wigaber, I believe, for uh, sending that one in. So I hope we can get some good ones in the new year because I – one of my favorite segments of the show, and uh, I really, I really always enjoy it. It, it. it adds something. It does. It's fun. It's fun for us. It's fun for the listeners. I know they enjoy thinking about. It. So again, that Chad, my challenge to you, the listeners, is to come up with a play, send it to Jared, especially like find the video, the audio of the play, and tell him when, what point in time it is, and email it to him so then he can use it, uh, and then we, can, then you can listen to us compete and, and give you credit. Go. Good deal. All right, I think it's time. Thank you. Order questions to the Prime Minister. It's time for listener questions. Dun, 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 on the AU Wishbone Podcast. All right, what we got in the mailbag this week? First question is from uh, Tim Sauls, and the title is, of the email is, What Would You Do? Guys, a point to ponder... Would you make a weekend of it? How, which would you do? Attending an Auburn sporting event in the arena named for you, or would you go to your mansion in the Virgin Islands to host the president and his wife? <laughs> Such is the life of Bill and Connie Neville this week. Uh, that was their choice, yeah, and they ended up uh, welcoming the president. Can't really blame them. Um, yep. You know that we do have a new uh, a new addition to our little animal menagerie here. Uh, Boris's new buddy is, is, is a peacock, and so, of course, we named him Neville. We're very excited that we have a Neville in our house now to go along with Boris nice. and and yeah and Weagle the tiger Weagle the eagle. All right, what else we got? All right, and our next email is from Bradley Blackman who says the title of this email is Auburn on the Threes, and he says I thought I'd like to remind you and the fellow listeners about Auburn's success on years that end in the number three, based on your criteria from we believed being the modern area of, of modern era of college football. I put some stats that will hopefully continue a trend of success on this odd-numbered year. He says, I'm no stat tiger, but here we go. <laughs> Auburn on years ending in number three in the modern era. Yeah. 1983, Big. 11 and 1. Big. 1993, 11 and 0. Big. Yes. 2003, 8 uh, Yeah, but but they were off by a year because they had the wrong offensive coordinator. I well, get they had, they had 2000 to be way better. 2004 is what 2003 should have been, and we all know it. So, yeah. At 2013, 12 yep. and 2. Big. He says Auburn is 42 and 8 in the era written on the book. Also, during this era, Auburn has had two first year coaches with a 23 and 2 record. Does the trend continue? I feel like we could be in for a great rebound season. What are your thoughts, War Eagle Bradley Blackman? That is interesting that we had a new coach in 93, and we had a new coach in 13, and we've got a new coach in 23. It is weird. So 93 – so Because we haven't had that many new coaches. So the fact that no. we had – No. So 03 and 83, we didn't. We've had more new co- – we've, we've had more years ending in three with new coaches than without new coaches in the last 50 years. <laughs> I no, I'm I'm well aware of that because um, in nine in two thousand three before the season started, I told you that I was thinking about getting a cap made that said two thousand three, and I was going to put on it this is our year because a eighty three, b ninety three, and c. Everybody thought the 2003 team was going to be like a national champion contender. 
Everybody thought that. I I was teaching in Atlanta, and I remember one of my students was a big old, good old Georgia boy, you know. And I remember he came up to me after 2002, after class one day. He came up to me and he said, he said man, y'all got Ronnie Brown coming back. You're getting Cadillac back. I saw you getting Jacobs, whatever. He says, y'all going to be hell on wheels next year. And I'm just like, yes, 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 yes. Because they had just gone to the to the SEC championship game and had a really good team. You know, Georgia did in 2002. And we almost beat them and should have. So I went into 2003 thinking that it was going to be what 2004 ended up being. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and I, I think some – Maybe some people predicted us to be number one going into 2003. I can't remember. It's yeah, yeah, it was. The, well, that's the thing. The years that Auburn's been predicted to be number one are years like 85, 90, uh, 03. It's never the years it's supposed to be. You know, it's always a different. It's always we always catch people by surprise when we're really good, like 13 and you know that kind of thing. Oh, oh four. You know. So, all right. Anything else? I'm just listening to your answer. Um, so, do you think that do you think that has uh, relevance or carries forward? I don't know. I'm just telling you. I I don't think it does, other than just it's one of those statistical anomalies. But it is crazy that we have another head coach starting over in, in a three year. And like you said, it's not like it would be different if we change coaches every other year. But we rarely change coaches, and yet, well, except for the last two years, and and yet here we are. We're back to a three again, and you know we have. We we spent two years going. What's Delta's Brussels? And now we 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 changing over again. So that's it. Tonight's <clears throat> a freeze is coming. Yeah. So we've gone from one to the other. So couple more questions. This is from Bill Miner who says the subject line is bowl and playoff schedule. He says one of the biggest issues I've had with the bowls and playoff schedule is the schedule for it. No other sport waits nearly a month for a playoff to start. Yeah. And it's so separate from the season in my mind. In a perfect world, what would your schedule be for a playoff? To me, the final championship game should be played on New Year's Day at night regardless, since interest is lost, in my opinion, the further from the season it goes. Yeah, I understand that. I That's true. I mean, and we were just talking about, think how think what the Auburn-Oregon game would have been if it had been like the week after the SEC championship game. It would have been 50 to 45 or something, I bet. But... It, it having that long of a layoff affects a lot of things. It affects game plans. It affects the, the health of the players. I mean, you could make an argument that it favors the team with less depth because if you played the game immediately, if you played the playoffs immediately after the season, then depth is going to matter more because you're only going to have what you've brought out of the end of the season. But if you have a month off, you got time for guys to get well and come back unless they're you know seriously injured. So there's there's a lot of factors there more than you might all, might all, you know ordinarily think. So yeah, I would yeah. I would see the in a, in a in a perfect world the last regular game of the season would be in the end of November, and then you'd have like the conference championship games the first week of December, and then maybe play the first round of the playoffs the second or third week of December right before Christmas, and then you're you're still going to end up going over New Year's though. But you could have like the the semifinals, I guess, on New Year's, and then play the championship game on, you know, yes. which is kind of what they're doing now anyway, I guess. So it's just yeah, I think I think that would work. Again, I it can't be too close together just because you're not going to make people play during the holidays or whatever. And I think you and it's tough. I mean, 
you got to have exams. They are. We joked about the going to school thing uh, that does happen in December right. at the end of the semester too. So well, and you know, you I was going to say you could move it forward, but it's not a not technically a pro sport, and no. you don't want to get too far out of actually students being in school. Do you remember when we were at Auburn? The first two or three games would all be played before classes started because we were on the yeah, quarters. We were in the quarter system, and, and class didn't start right away. Class didn't start, you know, August twenty no. fifth or whatever. So we had we had games before students were on campus, and we would get tickets to go to those games. And the band wouldn't even be there the first couple of games. Yeah, that's right. If they were, they were in like t shirts and stuff. Yeah, so you could, I guess, technically back it up a little bit. Maybe play the. I, I don't want to add any more games. I feel very strongly that if if people once thought that. 10 games was enough for a regular season. I don't think that teams need to be playing like 18 games now. No. That's, you know, and that's where they're headed. I mean, we're up to what, 15 now? I mean, it's 12 regular season and a conference championship game, and then you could be playing three or four playoff games. Yeah, so it's it's a lot. It's too many. Too many. I'd it's t- too many. I'd take a regular season game away if we're going to do that much. Yeah, no, I agree. All right. The last question is from Doc Cracker, who says, What's your question? With all this bowl mania going on, what game are you most surprised with the end result? Sincerely proud owner of Boris's burner account. <laughs> I'm sure Boris is very happy about that, too. I'll, I'll ask him after the show. Yeah, I, honestly, Tulane being this good came out of nowhere for me. Just a couple of years ago, they were a, you know, like an FCS-type program almost. And now, all of a sudden, they're beating a good USC and again, talk about a team that kind of nosedive at the end of the year. And, and and they were close games. It's not like USC got bad, but they lost to Utah in the championship game, and then they lost their bowl game. So they really – that's not good. I think the flaws for USC were there all along, right? Their defense is bad. Yeah. I mean, their offense is great. They're going to be offense great next year. But their defense was terrible this year. They got a lot of improvement to do on that side of the ball. And Utah and uh, – Tulane just took advantage of it. But you're right, Tulane's a great story. I, I think people underrated them because they're Tulane. But if you just said, you know, this is the champion of the conference that produced, you know, Cincinnati and that UCF team that was really good yeah. you know, and some other really strong teams, like people go, oh, okay, the best team out of that conference, Houston, the best team out of that conference is a good team. And that's who Tulane was this year. Yeah, that's interesting. I just didn't see it coming. So. Yeah, good for them. I also well, got and, a and yeah. I, I've been saying nobody saw it coming because Southern Cal was up fourteen with like three minutes to go. So. That's true. Yeah, even the people watching the game didn't see it coming. Um, I gotta get. I gotta thank Tulane for minimizing the sky blue in their uniform in this bowl game because I've seen them do some stuff where they've got like the green and white, which is what I think of for Tulane. And then they'll mix in like North Carolina looking stuff. I'm like, what? You know, it reminds me of like where Brazil. The Brazil soccer team will have the yellow and green shirt and then the blue and white pants. I'm like, it looks like your luggage got lost on the way to the stadium and you had to put on another team's pants. You know, it's just that blue is so weird with that dark green and white. It's just, a, it, it, it doesn't, to me, I mean, that's just me, but it just doesn't work. They need to stick to green and white, is what I'm saying. The, the angry wave is a great, great logo, though. Well, I like the little wave thing, but they but they make the water the water blue. They make it water blue, which gives them a, an excuse to put blue in with their green and white. But guess what? 
The name of the team is the Green Wave. It's not a blue wave, John. It's a green wave. They don't need the blue in there. Just have it green. It's not the blue wave. Uh, anyway. All right. Let's get. Let's take a trip. And click this slow, slow developing play here. Let's take a trip around the SEC. Man, that's like the oldest. Now that and listener questions are both really, really old. Mira's gonna kill me if she ever finds out I'm still using the stuff when she was in kindergarten. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, all right, so we've had some bowl games. We talked about them a little bit. Uh, yeah, that was cool that Georgia and Ohio State ended right on the stroke of New Year's Day, right? Right on midnight. Right at midnight. Yeah, I'm in the Eastern Time Zone, and that field goal kick was right as the ball was dropping. Yeah, at midnight. That was really cool. That was cool. I, yeah, I had to sit up for another hour to see any kind of. I, <laughs> I sat up. Mira, Mira came down. She had gone to bed, but she got up and came down to watch it with me. Amy went to bed three hours early. She didn't care. Yeah. But um, but Mira and I sat there and we watched Don Lemon forget to count down and miss the whole thing. So we're like, I think it's midnight. I think it's midnight, Don. I think you missed it. I think it's midnight. And so Mira's like, well, that was underwhelming. And she went to bed, and then I changed it over to a different channel. And they were showing, like, fireworks on the on the Sydney Harbor Bridge and all. I'm like, meh. I forget it. <laughs> I sat there and watched it by myself. So, oh, gosh, CNN let me down. But, yeah, that was awesome. So Georgia beat Ohio State 42-41. Who, I mean, I thought Ohio State was going to pull it off. Well, uh, this is the thing I think you, should, you can't forget is – in, in college football, on the tiers of talent level, yeah. Ohio State is there with Georgia and Alabama. Yes. Like, they have that level. They have as much talent as Georgia and Alabama. Mm-hmm. They're one of the only teams that does. And I think, you know, they had – everybody thought poorly of them because of, they kind of, you know, duffed it within the year against Michigan. But they, you know, put together a good game plan, and they have good players. That guy Harrison, Marvin Harrison Jr., mm-hmm is awesome and he's he's too young to go in the nfl draft he's going to be back tearing up college football next year as Mm. the best player in the you know college football probably the biggest play in the game other than the timeout was when he got hurt yes georgia couldn't cover that guy yep so yeah um it was a great game and i and the other biggest thing is like ohio state you know they had a really talented quarterback and really talented receivers and they had no fear of georgia's defense they were like we're attacking we're throwing the ball down a few we're not going to try and oh what are they doing we got to dink and dunk and watch out for what georgia's doing they're like we're just throwing we're chucking it you know the other thing i noticed this particularly this season we talked about trends and offense and everything one of the things i've noticed Teams that have a quarterback, you don't necessarily have to be Nick Marshall or Cam Newton, but teams that have a quarterback that can pass the ball well but can bail out and get a first down with their feet. 100%. You are 100% right. This was big in all of these games that mattered. Yep. And you didn't have to do it. You don't have to do it all season because your quarterback's going to get killed. Right. But when a big game comes along, like a college football playoff game, mm-hmm. That's when you turn that guy loose, and the bill, and it just makes a huge difference. It opens up the offense so much, and on those guys, maybe and Stroud is a guy for Ohio State that hadn't run much during the year, but he ran in this game, and it made huge differences. It did, yeah. They said he, I hadn't really paid them much attention, but yeah, they said he hadn't done that all season. Clearly, he had the potential, and and Ryan Day had just told him, "Don't," you know. Yeah. It's kind of like 
he played the whole season. Like you remember in 2010, Cam had that one game against like Chattanooga, where but going in, I said something like, "It would be funny if." We just don't run Cam at all this game. He either hands it off or throws it. And that's what happened. I was very, very thought, I thought it was a very good move by Chiswick and Gus and whoever, is they said there's no reason to have to run Cam Newton up the middle or whatever against this team. Let him just distribute. And I think that's what Ohio State did all season. So that when the time came that they needed that extra little bonus, they had it. That's it. It's just one little extra thing the defense has to account for. It's going to be a problem. And yeah. you're, so it's another thing to think about, like when you're looking at quarterbacks. There were no like just pure pocket passers guy who were incredibly successful. All of these guys who were making big plays in bowl games could move. Yeah, and that was something that Bo Nix could do, and he's had success at Oregon doing it too. And he'll be back, yeah. right? Yeah, my understanding he's coming back. Yeah. So uh, wow, hard to imagine Bo Nix is going to be playing college football next year, and he was starting against Alabama in 2019 against everybody, but against Alabama in 2019. Before COVID, Bo Nix was our starting quarterback an entire season before COVID, and he's going to be playing next year. Good Lord. We thought that Kerwin Bell was old. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. All right. Um, We talked about TCU-Michigan pretty well already. I mean – Yeah, I think we've covered it. They just found a way, yeah. Um, So the Arkansas-Kansas game was insane. Kansas was way down, had to come back and catch up, and then – they did all that just to lose, which is disappointing. Uh, the Ole Miss lost by <laughs> almost 20. <laughs> That's nice. That makes me happy. He went for it a fourth down about 10 times in that game, too, and that didn't Why? work out. So. Why? Oh, it's so dumb. Uh, Notre Dame over South Carolina we talked about. Tennessee Clemson we talked about a little bit, but I was happy for Tennessee. They really seemed to have it kind of rocking and rolling. Again, they had a really good year, and they kind of – you know, bit them at the end because their quarterback uh, got hurt and they yeah. lost those games. But you know, they still had a great season and they're and they're a long way from where they were two years ago. They should well, be happy. Amen to that. Uh, Alabama. I was watching the Kansas State Alabama game. Wasn't Kansas State up early and then Alabama just threw yeah. down on them for like three quarters yeah. or something? Uh, yes. Uh, whatever. Uh, and then. Kentucky got shut out. This is one I didn't even get to see. Kentucky got shut out. It, it was the same time as that Alabama-Kansas State game, and I, oh, K- Kentucky was, was playing their third-string quarterback. Oh, yeah. Iowa had a real good defense. They It was it was, it was a, a – listen, on the bowl games that you missed, this was the right one to miss. <laughs> I hope I'm I had the mute on just because I sneezed my, sneezed my brains out. I'm having like an allergy attack or something. But uh, this will not be a game that I go back and watch in the offseason. No. Nee, 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 nee. Uh, all right. We talked about Mississippi State, Illinois today. Again, I just didn't know who to cheer for. LSU rolled over Purdue. So what's left? The national championship game. And is that it? Are we down to the last one? And that's it. A week from tonight, when we will do our annual podcast <laughs> during the national title game when George is playing TCU. So we'll have our live uh, commentary as we discuss the game. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. All right. We'll see. All right, I'm sneezing my head off. I don't know what it's like. A cat came and walked through here invisibly, and I'm just sneezing my head off. By the way, if anybody's wondering why do we have Boris the tiger and the other critters, it's because I'm allergic to actual live animals, so we have a lot of faux animals. Um, all right, any last thoughts before I go take all kinds of medications and go to bed? It was a wonderful season and a really fun postseason, and I've enjoyed it. And I will miss college football when it's gone after a week from now. It's almost gone, but. As with, as with the cycle of life, 
it will soon begin anew. We will have spring football leading up to the A-Day game. Uh, we'll have another chance for more players to come in, maybe get a new quarterback, maybe get a new, you know, we'll sign our running back that we're waiting on. So lots still to come. Lots still That's to it. come. All right. And until then, go, go Horn Frogs. <laughs> go Horn Frogs. All right, our time is up. We thank you for yours. War Eagle, John. War Eagle, man. Thanks for listening to the AU Wishbone. Find links to everything we do at www.auwishbone.com. For more Auburn fun, join us on Twitter at auwishbone and at facebook.com slash auwishbone. War Eagle. The AU Wishbone is produced by Van Allen Plexico and John Ringer. Copyright 2020. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production. Thank you for listening to the AU Wishbone Podcast.